Big Sky, Big Potential. In association with Mills and Reeve, this is Eastern Promise. Achieving more together. Welcome to the Eastern Promise podcast, beaming the full wattage of wonder from across the east of England to wherever you may be. This week, we're on Suffolk's energy coast, talking to Rachel Bunn of East Coast College. It's impossible to understate the importance of the East of England's clean energy sector to the UK's national grid. And it's similarly impossible to understate the importance of Suffolk's energy coast to our region's clean energy sector. And the beating heart of the Suffolk energy coast is unquestionably Lowestoft, which is generating the sector's future workforce. I'll be chatting with Rachel Bunn of East Coast College to find out how. And finally, every week there's somewhere we love to be and can call in but once. Find out where your seventh day stops are in another pulse-pounding crowd sorcery. When you look at the renewable energy opportunities, all of a sudden, the Norfolk and Suffolk coastline, we're right in the vanguard, right at the front line. And, you know, whether we've got nuclear size well, the offshore wind of our East Anglian coast, the opportunities for hydrogen coming out of our the legacy in the UK continental shelf, we have a hell of a lot to offer the UK. And actually, we can keep the lights on single-handed. MP for Waveney, Peter Aldous there, recorded earlier this year, and Peter is absolutely right. None of the political turbulence around our collective drive to net zero detracts from the power of the Southern North Sea to turn the turbines that generate electricity and, in time, creating green hydrogen that will be fundamental in the decarbonisation of so much, including our transport network. However... That's far from all that's being generated by the East of England's energy sector. What's also being created are career opportunities for everyone, from school leavers and graduates to former armed forces personnel. Opportunities that need to be filled if the East of England's energy sector is going to continue to deliver and to grow. These opportunities will be, are being, transformational. Something that's felt keenly in Lowestoft, where the energy sector is driving the renaissance of the UK's most easterly town and through the East Coast College Energy Skills Centre, widening the horizons of its citizens. Keen to know more, I headed east to Lowestoft to meet with Rachel Bunn at East Coast College. It is a pleasure to be at East Coast College in the Energy Skills Centre. We're sitting in this very, very swish series of simulated control rooms um, for the students. And I'm here with Rachel Bunn, who... Tell us a bit about... Because you've got quite a long title, haven't you? Now? I you have, yes. Collecting so, them. 
It's Director for Commercial Partnerships and Community, but I'm also the STEM lead, so it's about aspiration and getting young people into those careers. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you were at the, the recent East Wind Cluster event at Orbis Energy in Lowestoft. One of the questions I wanted to, to come to, and well, now's a good time to say, there's a very close, very close interaction between the college and the, the, the sector, in, particularly in Lowestoft. Uh, how important is that to the college and how, how are you going about maintaining that relationship? Is it just making sure you're always in the room, as it were? Yeah, so it's multi-layered, really. Without industry, we can't make sure that our college curriculum and training opportunities are fit for region and fit for current and future skills. So it's partnership and collaboration all of the way with companies, local, regional, national, international sector bodies such as Eager, East Wind to really make sure that we know what's coming, but we also understand what the current pressures are. Yeah. So we know at the moment, working with the sector, everyone's facing recruitment problems. So the college is working with the sector to go, actually, let's flip it on its head. What can we do different? So it's not just a case of putting out job adverts. It's mm. how we can raise awareness, how we can get adult retrainers, how we can get armed forces leavers, as well as inspiring the future workforce, which is currently at primary school, high school and colleges. I was looking at some, some work um, that had been done in the sector by the uh, Energy and Utility Skills, Skills and Labour Requirements of the Offshore Wind Industry 2018 to 2032, and estimated that, that the, the energy sector, now that's not just offshore wind, but that the energy sector will need, by next year, 2024, 0.75, that's three quarters of a million people, the vast majority, 0.6 million of whom are replacing retirees. Now, that seems to me that's both a, a tremendous pressure on East Coast College and a tremendous opportunity for East Coast College and really says to your students, the world is, is going to be your oyster. So, so tell, yes. me, tell me. Well, so I can kind of relate to that because I've lived in Lowestoft all of my life. And I've seen Lowestoft, that's a coastal community that's gone through various changes, poor social mobility, low aspiration, a lot of low-paid jobs where people aren't upskilling to be in higher-paid technical jobs. And now we've totally flipped that on our head, that we've actually got more opportunities than we have people ready. So that does provide a massive challenge for the college. Mm. Um, but that's what we're here to do. So... It's not just a case of we're training our 16 to 18-year-olds and training apprentices. It comes back to the adult retrainers. But also, if you think about primary school people now, they are going to be the workforce when all the wind farms are operational, when Sizewell is operational in 10 to 12 years. So that's why we need to look bigger. Mm. It's also working with employers around retention, not just recruitment. You know, keep the people you've got, keep them training opportunities, make sure they feel valued. Yeah that they feel part of that team, because actually since COVID, that's more and more important to people. It is, is it that really personal is, personal yeah. element. Um, but it's never-ending, and we can't just think what we did five, ten years ago in education is what is fit for purpose now. So it is thinking on your feet. It is thinking outside the box. Um, we did a project at the beginning part of the year with the Aviation Academy in the Netherlands. Wow. So we had ten students come across from the Aviation Academy... Post-COVID, lack of aviation jobs, but they'd done two years engineering. So they spent three weeks at the college, finished with Maersk, completing and Hexus, all of their GWO training. They're now offshore wind technicians 
back at home. But that gave us the opportunity to then go, OK, so our students are planning to go across and they'll be doing blade repair and something else at their specialism. Mm -hmm. So it's about broadening the opportunities and exposing people to what can be rather than what it is. That's that. I, I, do you know what I really, I really chime with that on a first. I mean, it has been wonderful. I worked in Lowestoft uh, for about two years in my not long out of uni days, which is a lot longer ago than I care to remember now. But I remember at the time it was, it it, it wasn't. It, it dipped for a while, but it, the, you got the first light festival came in past the pavilion. Lots of shiny, yep. cleaned, polished buildings and. The opportunity here, this is why I'm so interested to come out here, that I feel like the opportunity here is really, really beginning to cook. It's really something. And I'm interviewing Peter Aldous, who's the okay. local MP here, uh, in two weeks' time. Uh, and that's very much a theme I'm going to come back to with him. What an opportunity. What, what a great time. And forgive me for a second, but this is... One of the reasons I'm really excited to be doing Eastern Promise is because I think this is one of the best times to be in the East of England. And I think Lowestoft... And what's happening here is an absolutely fundamental part of that. But off the soapbox we go. And to the question, we are in the Energy Skills Centre today. Tell us a bit about what happens here. It's slightly <laughs> obvious it's in the name, but about the course offer and so yeah. forth. So um, Energy Skills opened in 2019. An amazing amount of money from New Anglia LEP as well as East Coast College to make it happen. So it's been talked about for many years around this is going to happen in East Anglia off the energy coast, mm -hmm. but you needed momentum. So actually being built and opened in 2019 was the right time, excluding COVID. Little blip. Um, mm. But it has become a real hub and it's not a college building as such. It's a building on the college campus that does something a bit different. So we run our commercial training company, which is a subsidiary training company from the heart of the Energy Skills building. We train all of our engineering apprentices within the building. We've also got commercial relationships with Maersk and Hexus Training Company. Yes. So, again, GWO training was something that if we took on ourselves, we would really struggle. But actually, working in partnership, we can provide the facility. So GWO. Sorry, so the Global Offshore Wind Training Courses mandated for wind technicians, etc., to go offshore. Right, OK, sorry, I, so, I didn't know. <laughs> so that is a real specialism. Yeah. But, again, we've been able to make it happen through the model of energy skills that if this evolves with the energy sector. So we're all ready. It's not just offshore wind. We're, getting, we're National College for Nuclear um, as a college. Really? We'll be working closely with Sizewall around all those elements of training. It's part of a memorandum of understanding. But again, we've got hydrogen. So mm. we're approved to run a PITO Level 3 courses in carbon capture, hydrogen and offshore wind. So we have to keep ahead of the game to make sure our students, community, employers and employees are fit for the future. Absolutely. And, um, I mean, you've, you've, uh, you've talked about how the course offer here... Because uh, you're right, by the way, as you come in the building, it does not feel like an educational building. Yeah. Obviously, that's a thing of what you, part of what you do here, but it doesn't immediately feel like that. Um, you talked a bit about how the course offer is evolving. You, the, you know, the sector is evolving because the picture has got of late a bit less certain, shall we say? But I'm, I mean, I'm confident. Not that I know much, but I'm confident that that will change in the fullness of time and will return more to that. But I was interested, you mentioned Sizewell C, 
because it, it, I wondered to what extent you're looking at not just training sizable specific mm -hmm. you know, nuclear, nuclear industry uh, skills, but also skills that will allow your graduates to go to Sizewell and work on Sizewell. But then when Sizewell's, I want to say done, but, you know, yep. move back and be in part of the offshore energy sector, go to other offshore energy sites, because I was looking at the, like the, recruit, you know, the recruitment needs, and here we are, sorry, um, offshore wind employment growth by region. And uh, East of England is... Um, is, is, is one of the three, Scotland, East of England, Yorkshire and Humber. Yep. Um, and East of England looks like it's going to do very well out of that, you know, plus um, quite a lot of people <laughs> by, by 2032. So that's, that's a real I think that the transferability point of skills is really important. Yeah. Um, so Sizewell are very clear that they also want to leave a legacy for the region. Yes. So it's not just a 10 to 12 year build and that's it. It's about legacy. It's also supporting not just aspiration, but upskilling. We know there will be some movement from companies of employees moving to other people. So it's actually how you support that backfill. But also that transferability is from oil and gas into hydrogen or into offshore wind. But it's the skill set as well. So a welder could be doing welding and fabricating at the moment, could go to work at Sizewall, and then bring a higher-level skill set back. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other key bit is um, civil engineering is obviously going to be one of those key phases first at Sizewall, but it's also the highways, the rail, the utilities. It's all transferable skills and qualifications. So yeah. the college will be opening up a civil engineering campus at Lound, which is halfway between Lowestoft and Yarmouth. Right. Um, and it will be doing... The initial phase linked to projects in region, especially with Sizewell, around earth moving, groundworks, leadership and management, short courses. But again, we can't do that by ourselves. So we're looking at exploring partnership models around how can we keep skills training in the east absolutely, rather yeah. than scaffolders having to go down to London or people going up to the Humber. What do we need to keep the east on the map during projects and after, well, I think you, you you kind of alluded to that already, didn't you? With you talking you talking about blades, and surely I, I don't know. I know my nephew's very interested in aeronautical engineering, but the first thing I thought when he said that was offshore wind, yeah. and or on, or indeed onshore wind. Um, and surely a blade is a, a blade and propeller are basically the same thing, are they not? Yeah, I think it's as well broadening people's. Focus that actually, if you at the moment you say to a lot of young people about offshore wind, they all focus on offshore wind technician. Yeah. But that's not everything. So we know yeah. um, the construction civil phase for the cables, the substations, the interconnectors, all of that's critical. But also the ecologists, the environmental surveys, the planners, they're in really short supply. Mm. So it's... It's not just focusing on the key jobs that are known. It's the mix of everything that makes the project happen. Yeah. So that's the other bit we need to really try and instill this year is, yes, the sector, but the breadth of jobs within it. So what, what do you think that the wider impact of the, the, you know, the, the superbly trained graduates coming out of East Coast College have had on Lowestoft and the sort of the surrounding yeah, areas? Yeah, so we really try to have past students and apprentices as ambassadors. So yeah. 
we've we've got students that maybe started off on a level two engineering course who are now on their degrees or have now finished their apprenticeship or they're now off to some far amazing global project <laughs> for six months um, with an amazing salary and amazing progression. But you have, we have to set the students up ready as well. So one of the things we've done in preempting Sizewall is we've been working with Doosan Babcock. So our welding students um, attend interview, recruitment and selection day in the summer. And the best ones are picked to go on to an apprenticeship for Doosan currently at Hinkley, with yeah. the view they will come back to Sizewell's supervisors. So it's also about what opportunity is there as a skills pipeline that longer term can bring skills back into the East as well. It seems very rich in terms of opportunity. Oh, it's it so really exciting. Does. It must be. I, I do envy you that because it, it is, you, you get to sort of, you're at the really at the frontier uh, of, you know, literally, literally and, and metaphorically of... of of the skills, and it was—I was interested to see going back into the region. I was doing that, talking about the changes in turbine technology and the less need for actual mechanical parts. Yeah. So, and how how are you? Are you sort of reliant? I don't want to say reliant. Are you working closely with industry to understand those changes so that you can yeah. get them into the curriculum as soon as possible? How we have work? to because if not, there's the danger that we continue teaching to a curriculum that relies on qualifications that are not regularly updated by awarding bodies all of the time. So it's how else can you enhance the curriculum so it's current. So wherever we can, we work with employers around site visits, masterclasses, sharing of resources. And we've even kind of gone to the how can we share nationally online teaching. So working with other colleges that may have, for example, a hydrogen specialist, then right. we put on an hour's masterclass that we haven't got to trip everybody up to that college. We can just use technology. Yeah. Um, so we can't rely on just one aspect. Now, as a college, just like everybody else, we struggle with recruitment for staff because we, we can't necessarily be competitive with salaries in industry for the higher-level skills. Mm. So we're now exploring how we can work with industry that if oh, that's a yeah. they're quieter periods of time... We could second their staff in. We could train them for train the trainer, assessing, mentoring. So they don't become a full dual professional, but they're getting a taster of what they could do, but also our students can benefit from it. Yeah, because so, some, some of them, it'll really get into the blood. Do you know what? I really enjoy this. It'll get yeah. into the bloodstream. And it'll be, yeah. oh, this is great. I love it. And, yeah. and they'll want to, you know, they'll want to do yeah. it regardless. Even if it's an other. evening a week or yeah. a day a month. It's still enhancing our curriculum offer to be really current and exciting and led by employers. I mean, sitting in this room, I can see why it's exciting because you've got all these control panels and, and this is just the room for the, the teachers, isn't it? It's yeah. not the actual students is next door. You know, you've got two CB radios. It's, fun. it's, it's amazing. Um, and um, I just bear with me because I'm trying You're to read right? my own handwriting. <laughs> Apprenticeships. Yeah. So what's the, what's the role the college has in apprenticeships? So we deliver a breadth of apprenticeships. Mm -hmm. um, we have had an increase in welding, fabrication, machining and engineering this year. But again, it's, it's kind of the chicken egg in an apprentice. It's great. Employers want to offer that opportunity. But if they haven't got 
foresight of three or four years' work where they know it's guaranteed, yeah. it's risky. Mm. Because what you don't want to do is take an apprentice on and then you're struggling to provide the, the you know, on-work learning, yeah. the exposure. So it is hard sometimes, but actually we've got a really good mix of uh, employers that are saying we commit because we know we need to future-proof our own internal workforce. We mm. know in two years we're going to have two people retire. Yeah. We know that X, Y and Z. We know we're now in the supply chain. So an apprentice is homegrown, train as you wish. They're part of that future workforce. Um, one thing we've also just completed as well with Norfolk Manufacturing Group is our first engineering boot camp. Excellent. So a year in the making, but absolutely amazing experience and really positive outcomes. So it's an 11 week full time, five days a week course for adults looking to get into engineering. Yeah. So we started small with a group of nine. Right. Um, who were really engaged, who could commit, who wanted to do something different. So we had an armed forces lever. We had an ex-fisherman. We had someone who was working as a caterer in pubs. We had someone who had done engineering and left college at 17 and gone to work on highways but wanted to come back into a real, real mix. Um. So 11 weeks, again, they had nine site visits and master classes. They did confined space. They did working at height. They did all the short courses as well. Um, and as of today, because I did get a phone call on the way today. <laughs> in, Excellent. We've actually, Breaking news. Six out of nine have got jobs related to engineering. Really? With local companies. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think what I find really lovely about what you're saying is it's that when you're first saying these things, it, it, it sort of strikes me, oh, wow, that's, that's really innovative. But then it's like, well, of course it, of course it has to be this way. It does. And you're telling, you, tell, you know, like the, the secondment from industry, for like, it both seems really innovative and then when you've said it, blindingly obvious. <laughs> and that's what, but the, the, the way you're adapting so quickly to the, all these changes into a really fast-moving sector... Um, I mean, that's. I, I have to take my hat off to you because that's. It. it we it have to feel then. that around you. It's. It's we, amazing. We have to. That sometimes we need the crystal ball moment of mm. what could be different. Now we could try something and we can learn from it and go that didn't work, but we can't. We know working with employers, it's that it's kind of the you can't put a job description out and expect forty people to apply anymore. The world is not like that. So actually, you know, what can we do? If you would, you know, take on a level two operative or a trainee or an improver to work in the company and upskill once you've got them, that's surely a better model than just waiting for the inevitable of you can't recruit. Mm, yeah. So it is real kind of shift. And then it's how the college can get those people ready for those jobs. Um, but, yeah, it is. I love it. So you're educating the industry as much as the students. Yeah, it's, it's, we have to think differently. Yeah. We have to think differently. So to what extent is the is the, the recruitment challenge, which is the demand, you know, across the piece from the very highest skilled to the, you know, to, I don't say the lowest, but, the, the you know, from the more technical side of things to the more cerebral to the manual. Is that like, well, hey, we've, this is brilliant, or have we got to try and 
kind of like encourage your students to think carefully about the steps they take? Yeah. Is it all of the above? I think if we kind of, in the real world, we would be living in a locality, Lowest Often Yarmouth are very similar in terms yeah. of demographic. Mm -hmm. We've got a high volume of people that are entry three, level one, adult skilled. And then you've got a big gap at level two and level three. Yeah. But we know the jobs that industry needs are your level three and above. Yeah. So how do you then get someone who's very low skilled, may have been unemployed for quite a while, to be aspired to take short courses, stepping stones to get somewhere? And that's the challenge. It isn't the curriculum offer. It's how we work with the change of demographic. It's getting people to believe in themselves, isn't it? it that is. This is not out of your reach. It is. So the beauty of college is we've probably, over the last couple of years, had about £8 million worth of ESF funding, mm. which we, our team have done an amazing job at getting people from unemployed, either short or long term, stepping stones, mentoring, confidence building, to then get in the jobs, to then realise that actually it may be catering, it may be business admin, but they can do it. Yeah, absolutely. And then continue on their journey. But we've got a higher problem where that deprivation automatically gives us a lower starting point. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, 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 is, it is an issue. It's obviously an issue. Uh, but as you say, one of the things that makes me really excited for Lower Stoft, and I say this not just as someone who used to live here, but, you know, it, it's... It is that richness of opportunity across the board as the industry grows because, you know, more more offshore turbines and floating turbines, that's yeah. going to be a whole thing, uh, means more ships, more crews, more drone operators, more... And then you've got more people serving them lunch, yeah. more people, and then that spins out into the town. There's more yeah. people walking around the town at lunchtime, more people to give them, etc., 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 and pretty soon you're, you know, this, this... You've got a more stable economy, Exactly, you? you've got a more stable economy, you've got more people coming here, and you've got the impact that brings of, you know, on, on places like East Coast College and the kind of people you're turning out into the world. It's, it's, uh, it's really... I've said it again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat myself, it's really exciting. It, I think because it's such a shift as well that the communities, it's the towns... shift. ..have had such a long time of, not doom and gloom, but not a lot of opportunity. Yeah. And every single thing just seems to have fallen into place. Now, that does provide its own challenge because I've sat in meetings, say, five or six years ago and looked at lovely Gantt charts going in <laughs> Suffolk and Norfolk, you're going to have all this offshore wind development and that will finish just at the same time as Sizewall starts. And it's a lovely timed Gantt lucky? chart. And now... Things have happened, delays in planning, consent, squash. Yeah. So we've got offshore wind who are now going through consenting phase and planning, same time as when Sizewell is going to start exactly skill set, civils. And we've got to work out how we can also get the different energy sectors to think outside the box of when we finish this project, we can future proof the workforce is going to be leaving us because we can work with the next workforce that need their skill set mm. but actually that workforce we might be able to train them up differently and they can come back to us we've got to stop working in energy silos when it comes absolutely. to absolutely i think that's 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 so good to hear you say that and, and i think you, 
you saying that reminded me again of the East Wind Cluster meeting, which was, OK, every sector that's growing will... There'll be wrinkles, there'll be challenges, and it's it was the square focus on this is, you know, we're going to overcome it and this is how. Because I think where, where those where places and industries fail those challenges, it's where they rail rail against them and don't look at the tools yeah. in their hands to actually address them. And that is what you guys were doing. And I think that was so commendable and so great for our region and for Suffolk. And, you know, and obviously the, the other, the other uh, yeah. wind, wind sectors, wind farms uh, in, in, uh, off the Norfolk coast as, as well. But you, you, you were so clearly focused on addressing the challenge and moving past it uh, in the best way possible. But I, that sort of, yes, it's challenging, but it gives me so much hope that you guys are going are, are gonna to... And we won't get everything it. right first time. God, nobody does. That's how you learn. But, my God, we're going to have a good stab at it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's so refreshing to hear. Sorry, I'm just checking how long right. I've been talking. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying, you know, the, the, when I first started doing this, they would go on and on and on. And I was having a whale of a time. I <laughs> didn't thought, oh, my God, I'm I was learning so it. much. <laughs> and, 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 and people, the, about a year ago, people were saying, you might want to just, you know... Yeah. And I'm like... Oh, but I really enjoy yeah. it. But so now you're just really conscious, like, oh, it's 26 minutes that, yeah, we're getting, we're getting I'm just going to go back to my book of, uh, of questions that I, that I wrote down. Um, no, that was from another <laughs> wrong interview now. <laughs> I'll let you have some of your seven up. Um, yeah, you've answered all most of these, actually. Warranty periods. To what extent do the offshore warranty periods have an impact? Because I was reading about this, five-year warranty periods have a, a bit of an issue. Is that something that's still current, is changing? It's not something really we embed into a skills problem. Mm -hmm. It's more we kind of focus on how we can get people to the companies to then they worry about that bit afterwards. Right, OK. It's not, it's not really an issue <laughs> not for really, you. Not, not really, really an issue That's for fine, us, no. I don't mind. Um, and da, 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 we've done that one, that one, that one, that one. This is going well. And uh, we've talked about uh, that. Um, I mean, is, uh, you, you kind of alluded to this already, but is there a a healthy kind of trade is, is between the various wind farms off the East Coast in Scotland, the Humber, here. It's not like, you've, you said about collaboration and partnership has to be the way forward. It's not like, get your mitts off our graduates. It's kind of, our graduate has a job to go to. That is wonderful. Yeah. And then we've got the chance that a more skilled graduate, you know, person will come back to the yeah. place he knows, the place he and loves, or she loves. And, and, you know. You know, if you think about offshore wind, they're a fairly mobile workforce. So even if they may be operating out of Lowestoft, they will probably go to other wind farms for the company they're working for. Yeah. Um, but we know they're still going to be working here, at the, you know, across the year. So it's it's not being really protective of we're training you in Lowestoft and we expect you to stay in Lowestoft because actually if you go away and come back or work on different farms... You're going to be bringing your knowledge back to the town who can then impart on mm. other people. That's absolutely right. I mean, um, so what gives, you, what, what gives you the most hope for the, the people you educate and train here uh, over the next five years, decade? What's, what's going to, the bright spot you really think that is going to be when we know that this is really... I think really it's this? the light bulb moments that I can rather than I can't. Yeah. Now, that could be for someone at primary school, high school, college, adults who are currently working in McDonald's, knowing 
that we can inspire them enough to go, I could do that. Mm. Because that's the biggest bit, is there's a lot of people that don't think they can. And you've instilled in them that excitement for the sector. Yeah. That, oh, this is a place for me and I can, I can yep. do, do, do good, great things here. So we've got a, we're putting on a careers event at the end of November in this building. Primary schools, homeschooled pupils who tend to be forgotten. Um, High schools, that, yeah. colleges and adult retrainers all in a day. Mm-hmm. But engaging hands-on activities, so have a go welding. We've got a simulator coming. There'll be Ooh. a plant simulator. Flannery's are bringing down there. Dig a dumper simulator trailer. Oh, wow. Because it needs to be memorable in order to be fixed in someone's memory as a long legacy rather than a short, exciting event that I did. Yeah, I did this. I went to this thing, got some stickers, and it was fun. Now, we know time with employers is really precious, which is why we're doing one day four different groups. Yeah, but by the same token, they they, they want the people, so they've got to put the... uh, Yeah. I don't know what that was. But they want the people, so they've got to put the energy into actually... Exactly. Enticing them in. But it's team effort. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to say what the date is so we can make sure? It is Monday the 27th of November. Because this is going out, this will go up, well, this will be out in a week. Yeah, so So it's on my LinkedIn as we speak. Uh And all the schools have been invited. Yeah. Um, So it's the best experience we can give. So one bit I didn't say about in the Energy Skills Centre is our marine simulator. So we've got three um, state-of-the-art marine simulators... We provide international training for chief mates and officers of the watch delegates. So they come across on visas to train in Lowestoft. Right. Which is fab. But again, it's inspiring the future workforce. So last weekend, we had a model engineering event in this building, worked with a local group. We had over a thousand adults, probably over 500 children for the weekend, can see model engineering, have a go at things. Yeah. And you could see some of those children so hooked. I know I'll be seeing them in five or six or seven years' time because it's getting the light bulb of, oh, wow, I want to know how that works or I can mend that or what does that do? Yeah. But even it was really nice because we had intergenerational. So we had grandparents, parents and children. Yeah, wow. So the grandparents used to, were imparting knowledge of what they used to do as a job and how mm. things had changed. It was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's thinking different. Do you, do you ever get offshore in a boat? No. Boat? no. <laughs> Is that, do you draw <laughs> the line there? I'm quite happy to stay you, you onshore. Go, you go and have yes. a lovely time. You take some pictures for me. Mm. Rachel Bunn, what a pleasure to be here at East Coast College. What a pleasure well, to talk to you to and you. see what absolutely wonderfully safe hands the future of the energy sector uh, is in. And I know so, I know (laughs) so. My huge thanks to Rachel, and it was such a pleasure to visit East Coast College. The Energy Skills Centre is a brilliant resource, and I firmly believe that the renewable sector will prove transformative for Lowestoft. It's a transformation that's already well underway and I'm excited that, with the help of the Greater Gabbard Community Fund, the Eastern Promise podcast will be bringing you much more from the town over the coming year. And now...
there's always something in our diaries every week that we look forward to. Some activity that brightens up the days and that you miss when you can't do it. But what do you like to do once every seven days? Let's find out in the weekly wonder that is... Crowd Sorcery Yes, Crowd Sorcery! Now, I can only approve of the caffeinated nature of your choices this week. And let's kick off with a man who has thrice appeared on this very podcast. David Powells, Chief Executive Officer at Norfolk Community Law Service. David says, I'm giving a shout out to the Blue Bear Coffee Shop, recently opened in Tombland and now a regular haunt when I want a decent drink and somewhere to chat and reflect. Great coffee and a great cause too. David rightly provides a link to the story of the little blue bear in The Norwich Seeker, which I'm happy to say is keeping the flame of quality independent journalism burning bright in the fine city. I'll link to the story on LinkedIn and also provide the link to David's appearances on the Eastern Promise podcast, which he makes sure are a highly enjoyable listen. As for the little blue bear's battle cry, coffee, donuts and justice! Where do I sign? Let's turn now to Saul Humphrey, managing partner of Saul D. Humphrey, LLP, brackets, certified B Corp, professor at Anglia Ruskin University, and chair of the Institute of Directors Norfolk. Saul picks a personal favourite of mine in the Merchant's House, which Saul says is great for him, and for me too, Saul. Meanwhile, Michelle Chambers, friend of the show and business development manager at Chaplin Farrant, picks Wright's Cafe at One Bank Plain in Norwich. It's a lovely spot to sit in, she says. Really nicely decorated and a great menu with some lovely salads and cakes on display. Only had a couple of hot chocks so far, but we'll be back for more soon. Only been open around four months, I think. Well, to know more, go to wrightscafe.co.uk forward slash Norwich. Another Wrights fan is augmented reality Jedi Master James Lee Burgess, who says... Yes, it's rights for me as well, Michelle Chambers, after Artel closed. Leslie Terence is at the end of my road, Mike Rigby, and I need to frequent more. Thanks for the reminder. Some lovely cafe choices there, again, my own being the Leslie Terence Plant Shop and Cafe that's my home from home every Tuesday lunchtime. It's a lovely place that is so, so Norwich. It's north of the city centre, again, at the end of Magdalen Road. Do give it a try. Similarly... I'll be trying out all of your suggestions, as that's what crowd sorcery is all about. People you know, suggesting places you don't, so that you can try them out in confidence. And that's the end of episode 81. If you want to know more about the podcast, about Eastern Promise, and why we do what we do, visit our website at easternpromise.org.uk, where you can use the contact feature to drop me a line. It only remains for me to thank Rachel Bunn of East Coast College, all my crowd sorcerers, and our very own Darth Vader, Engineer 49. Next week, in the second part of our occasional series looking at how sports teams in the east of England support their local communities, we'll be joining the Cambridge United Foundation on location, delivering a holiday club for children in one of the most deprived areas of a city that's regarded as one of the most unequal in England. I'll be talking to the U's Head of Foundation, Vicky Neal, 
accompanied by Eastern Promise's chief sports correspondent, my very old friend Andrew Dubok. That's all to come on episode 82 of Eastern Promise. So until next time, bye for now. To hear other episodes of the Eastern Promise podcast and to find out more about what we do, go to our website at easternpromise.org.uk. Eastern Promise is a Priors Croft production in association with Mills and Reeve. Achieving more together. Coffee, donuts, and justice!